be in John chapter 5, verse 5 today. And if we can go ahead and all stand up together for the reading of God's word, we will get into it. John chapter 5, verse 5 says this. One man who was there who had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water's stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your bedroll and walk. Instantly, the man got well, picked up his bedroll and started to walk. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we thank you for this account. We thank you, God, um, that even though there is great suffering in the world, uh, that your glory and your power can shine through it and that we can learn from it, that we can, that we can kind of peek into these accounts that take place and then ask ourselves, um, are we doing some of these same things? Is there better ways that we can trust you? Is there better ways that we can place our faith in you? And so God, I pray as we come to this passage and as we spend a few moments there, that you would just humble our hearts, um, that we would come to your word, uh, not trying to make it say anything, but rather trying to figure out what you're trying to say to us, that we would approach it as the authority um, and your very word. God, I pray that you would change our hearts today. It's in your son's name I pray. Amen. All right, y'all can have a seat. Well, as I'm sure y'all probably realized by now, I love telling y'all stories about my daughter, Lottie. Uh, she is about a year and a half old. And if uh, you parents can probably sympathize with me on this, um, little kids, they have this weird, interesting thing that they do where they attach themselves to a particular thing. And then all they want to do is that particular thing just over and over again. She used to do that with Baby Shark. Like she would always want Baby Shark to be thrown on the screen and then she would do her little dance with it. Um, anytime that was on the screen, she was happy to dance to it. Well, my wonderful, amazing wife uh, decided to introduce to her Disney movies. And so uh, my sweet little baby daughter um, has latched herself to a particular Disney movie. Can y'all guess which one it is? Of course it's frozen. It has to be frozen. Like, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what kind of research and development mark or uh, department Disney has, but they're really good at figuring out what kids like because my daughter loves this movie. Like, here's a picture of her attached to it. Look at her. She just loves watching that movie. Now, this movie's been out for a couple of years now. And I've seen it, you know, somewhere along the way. But over the past two weeks, I've seen this movie a dozen times. Now, how many of you have seen Frozen? Okay, good. So most of y'all know the story. Let me explain to you a little bit, just in case you don't. So um, over on this side, you can go ahead and throw up that next image. Uh, you've got Elsa on the left here. And you've got Anna on the right. They're both sisters. They're princesses. Um, uh, Elsa, in the midst of the movie, becomes the queen. She also has ice powers. I don't know why. It's weird. But she has ice powers. Anna is, uh, meets this guy. Now you can put it back up there. That's fine. Anna meets this guy, the prince. And in the span of about a song in the movie, they meet each other, fall in love, he proposes, and she says yes, and they are now engaged. Now, before I go any further, 
Again, you parents can empathize with me. My attention span for my daughter's movies is about half. Once I get halfway through the movie, I'm done. I'm out, I'm on my phone, I'm doing something else. So I've seen this movie 12 times. And uh, the last time that we were watching it, uh, I just happened to look up towards the end of the movie. Did y'all know that the prince is a bad guy? I didn't know that. My whole, <laughs> all the times I've seen this movie, I thought that he was a good guy and that Anna was playing him uh, the whole time. I look up, he's the bad guy. Who knew? What does this tell us? One, it should probably tell me that I should pay more attention to the content my daughter watches to make sure that I know what it is. But what it really tells me for today is that you can experience something over and over and over and over again. And then one day you experience it in a different way. And when you experience that in a different way, it changes forever. Like we've watched the movie again since I figured out he was the bad guy and I can no longer view him the same way. He's such a fun guy at the beginning. And I'm like, you little dog. Um, I can't watch it the same way anymore. That's what happens in today's passage. Today's passage, we meet a guy who has been paralyzed invalid for 38 years of his life. Now, most scholars believe that he was older than that and that um, his affliction, he wasn't born with it, but an event happened in his life and led him to become paralyzed. And we also don't know how long he was sitting around this pool of Bethesda, but we know that he had been there a long time. And this guy woke up day in and day out and day in and day out. And he knew exactly what the movie of his life looked like for that day because he watched the same movie the day before and the day before that and the day before that and the day before that. But then today's passage comes and Jesus comes in. And when Jesus comes in, all of a sudden the movie's ending changed. All of a sudden what he thought he was going to see was different. And because of that, he can no longer be the same. He can no longer look the same, no longer act the same. And before we dig too much into this, um, I just want to pose to you that there's people in this world who feel the same way. They, they may not have the same affliction that he had. There's people who wake up every day and they're wondering, is this it? Is this life? Am I going to be stuck here miserable and hopeless waiting for my life to get better? And some of those people may even be in this room today. And so what I want to do is I just want to dig into today's passage and, and dig into the story of this guy who was invalid for 38 years and just ask ourselves three kind of probing questions to, to see, um, are we falling into some of the same um, tendencies that this guy had and are we responding to Jesus in some of the same ways that this guy did? And, and my hope is, as we present these things that, that God might open our eyes and our hearts to, to see and hear what he has for us and, and how he may want us to adjust a little bit. So we're going to dig into um, three questions in this passage. So let's hop back into the passage. So we're in John chapter five. Um, we're going to go back to verse one. So this is a few verses before what we read earlier. 
And it says this, after this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. By the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there's a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. So let's stop right there for a second. Um, so all of this took place in Jerusalem, which is in Israel, which now we refer to as the Holy Land, which you can actually go to today. Um, well, over the past few years, it's been a little iffy, but you can go to this. Um, now, most places in the Holy Land, they can kind of give you a decent idea. Like we think this is the place um, that this happened and we think that this is this place. Um, the Pool of Bethesda in the late 1800s, they did an archaeological dig and they actually uncovered what most certainly people say is the Pool of Bethesda. It has the five colonnades. There's the, the walkway that would go down into a pool. There was the sheep gate um, that was kind of the gate uh, towards the offering and the sacrifices that would happen. And so it's interesting because you can actually go to the Holy Land today and see exactly where this miracle happened. That's fascinating. Let's keep going. Verse three, within these, within this pool, lay a multitude of the sick, Blind, lame, and paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water, because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up and recovered from whatever ailment he had. One man was there who had been sick for 38 years. Now, uh, the important thing that we want to dig into is to lay the groundwork of why this guy was even at this pool. So it's the pool of Bethesda. And um, there was a multitude of sick that gathered around this pool and just waited around this pool. Now, why did they do that? Well, it says um, halfway through verse three, waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down into the pool from time to time and stir up the water. First one to get in would be healed. Now, here's the interesting thing. If you're pulling out your digital Bibles, or if you have a physical one, if you're still doing that, um, you might notice your translation doesn't include that verse. Like if you have the NIV Bible, it goes from the second half of verse three and just skips directly to verse five. Most of you are like checking your phones now to see if, if it's got. Um, so some of your translations include this verse. Some of your translations don't include this verse, but likely what all of your translations will include is a little footnote. And a little footnote below that at the bottom of the page will say something like um, other manuscripts omit this verse, or you, it might say uh, earlier manuscripts or more reliable manuscripts don't include this verse. And so what's the deal with that? Well, most scholars believe this. Um, because it's not included in the earliest manuscripts that we have access to, most scholars believe that the second half of verse 3 and verse 4 was not in the original manuscript, that it just went straight there. And what they believe happened is that there was a copyist who was handwriting, because this is before the printing press, before printers where we could just hit print. Um, a copyist was hand copying this thing, and he wrote down within these Within this pool lay the multitude of the sick, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And he thought to himself, hey, I should probably explain why they were there. I should probably put some context. And so uh, they think that he put in kind of a footnote right there that said, here's the reason why they were there. They believed that an angel came down, stirred up the waters, and the first to get in would be healed. So I don't think, I personally don't think that verse, the second half of verse three and four is any theological statement on what angels do and uh, how they heal and, and their role in healing. I don't think that's what's getting at. I think, um, again, I think uh, what happened is the guy was just giving, a, giving an explanation of what they believed was going on at the pool. So does that kind of make sense? That's why you might not see it in your Bible. Okay. All right. So 
On a side note, I'm, I love Christianity and I love the scholars that put together our translations because they're as transparent as transparent can be. A lot of other religions, uh, particularly like sects of religions that spur off of Christianity, um, they try to confine you and then like hide you from other texts. And, and our scholars are pretty straightforward and say, hey, here's the best information that we have about the translations that we have. And like all throughout your Bible, that's what those little footnotes are. It's just letting you know, here's the best information we got. Some things say other things, but don't worry. Out of all of these variants that are found in the Bible, none of them are theological issues. None of them are deep theological issues. Most of them are misspellings or they duplicate a word. Okay, anyways. All that's not super important. What is important to this passage is we know why this guy was at this pool. This guy was at this pool. All the sick people were at this pool because they believed that this pool had the power to heal them and the power to fix them. At any time the water started moving, it became a race among all these people to see who could get in. Now, one of the things that we kind of disconnect ourselves because we tend to read historical documents kind of cold um, is that who was gathered around this pool? The blind, the lame, the paralyzed, the invalid, the sick. So whenever the water stirred, it became a foot race to see who could get in the pool first among the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. This guy who had been here for, or who had been paralyzed for 38 years had a terrible chance at getting in. Can't walk. You just have to crawl. You have to have hopes that you can get in there. And uh, it's kind of crazy because we have a hard time wrapping our mind around this because we just don't see it much anymore. Um, but again, The Chosen does a really good job at breathing the storytelling element back into it and breathing the personal and the human element back into it. So here's a short clip kind of depicting what this scene might have looked like.
So why were all those people there? They were gathered around this pool because they believed that this pool had the ability to fix them. And they were willing to wait as long as it took and do whatever they needed to do to get that pool to fix them. And that, that leads us to our first question that I want you to ask yourself today is, what are you waiting on to fix you? Because we all have something, right? Like we all have uh, something that's just outside of our reach. And if we had that thing, then it'll make us happy and fulfilled. And that will fix us. Maybe for you, that's a new house or a new car. Maybe it's that your kids will obey you. Maybe it's that you have a better job or, or more money or more respect. Or for some of you, maybe it's for your spouse to get their act together. Like, like some of you ladies in here have been waiting for 38 years, staring at your husband, waiting for waters to stir in them, right? Like you, you're waiting for something to change in the midst of your life. And if that thing can just change, then it's going to fix us. And we think that it's holding us back from being fulfilled in our life. So this uh, past couple of weeks, I'm sure that y'all have heard um, Texas passed a new abortion law. Uh, a new abortion bill, and it held up uh, through the courts, at least for now. And this uh, bill basically states that uh, once a cardiac activity can be um, discovered in the child and the baby, that abortion is no longer an option in that. And so it'll place around six weeks. And, and I think this is a good thing. Uh, I think it's a good thing that, that we're starting to push it back. And I, and I don't say that to say, like, I'm trying to impress women here. I'm not trying to tell women what they can and can't do with their bodies. The only thing, the reason I say it's good is because the Bible tells us that everyone's made in the image of God. And everyone is um, loved by their maker and formed by their maker. And I think that there's something... Um, uh, grossly immoral about us being able to decide who's worthy of life and who isn't worthy of life. And uh, on a side note on that, um, if this bill does hold up and go into effect in a practical sense, uh, be prepared because there's going to be more babies and there's going to be more kids going up for adoption and more kids going into the foster care and more uh, people looking for help. And so we as the church um, need to be ready to be a support to people who need help. That, that's our, our job. And so, I mean, I encourage you in the next you know, few weeks, few days, um, go up to the Eagle Mountain Pregnancy Help Center, go talk to them and, and ask them, hey, what, what do you need? How can I help you? Maybe consider adopting. Um, maybe consider fostering. Um, one of the things that um, I think the church has failed a little bit at is that we're really good about talking about pro-life, but we're really bad about following up and being someone that says, hey, I'll take your baby. And, and the Bible uh, describes God as the God, um, the father to the orphans, the father to the fatherless, and we're to be the church uh, representative of God. And so any way that we can do that. Different sermon for another time. What I'm getting at is, so that bill passed, and if you're social media feeds or anything like mine, then it's been full of people 
commenting on this. And I've seen stories and I've seen uh, people presenting scenarios of, well, what if this happens? Or what if this happens? Or what if, like, should a girl be punished for the rest of her life if she makes one mistake in high school? Or what if a person can't financially or emotionally or, um, or support-wise uh, support this baby? And, and I think what it all boils down to, not all of them, but I think a lot of them boil down to this. And it's, it's, I have a plan for my life and I know what is going to fulfill me and this baby is getting in the way of that. And so if I can just remove this baby from the equation, fulfillment lies on the other side. It's just another pool. It's just another pool. And whether your um, situation is as significant about a human life or it's as insignificant as you just want the newest phone, there's something in each of our lives that we're waiting on to fix us, that we think if we just get it, we will be happy and we'll be filled and we'll be made whole. And that's where this guy was. He found himself living by this pool because he thought it would bring him wholeness, healing, and joy. So again, the first question I want to ask as we dig into this is, what are you waiting on to fix you? And once we can answer that, the next question is, are you willing to give that thing up? John 5, verse 5, continuing our passage, it says this. One man who had been sick for 38 years, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be well? Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Now notice this guy didn't actually answer Jesus' question here. So Jesus said, do you want to be made well? It's just a yes or a no answer, right? And this guy doesn't give a yes or a no. He, he says, the pool hasn't fixed me yet. Like, like, like imagine being this guy, like, like you have standing before you, Jesus, the Messiah, God incarnate, who has the ability not to just heal you, but to remove all pain, all struggle for your life now and your life to come. And you say to him, the pool hasn't fixed me yet? Like, I think he's missing the point. I think he's, he's so focused on what he's been thinking will fix him his whole life that he's not willing to give that up just yet. And I think we do the same thing. I think a lot of times uh, we are so focused on what we think is going to fix us that we don't let it go and look to Jesus to fix us. Because Jesus is really interested in healing you. He's just not interested in healing you through the avenues of the world. He's really interested in healing you in the way that he's going to. He's not interested in whatever you think is going to heal you because he knows more than that. Isaiah 43:18 this is a prophecy about Jesus says this Do not remember the past events pay no attention to the things of old look i am about to do something new even now it is coming do you not see indeed i will make a way in the wilderness rivers in the desert. So what this verse is calling us to do is as we stand before Jesus, we have to forget everything else that we thought that would fix us. We have to forget everything else that we put our hope in and place our hope in Jesus, who's actually going to restore us. Because our hope isn't in the things of this world. Our hope is in Jesus. And our hope isn't in the American dream. Our hope is in Jesus. And our hope isn't in uh, the comforts of this world. Our hope is in Jesus. And my fear 
is that some of us are like the guy in the story, that we are just so laser-focused on what we think will fix us that we're missing the bigger point. Like I can stand here today and I can, I can proclaim to you the goodness and the glory of God and how God is worthy of our adoration, worthy of our devotion, worthy of our lives, worthy of us following him. And you'll sit here and you'll nod with me, but you'll go home today and you'll still be more concerned with the things of this world than you are with Jesus. And that's a problem. And likely these things aren't bad things. They're just not God. And if we keep trying to go to these things, then we're just going to be uh, dissatisfied over and over and over again. You know, it's like whenever you um, was a kid and uh, you wanted something for Christmas, right? And you thought, if I could just get this thing on Christmas Day, and then you get that thing, and then two weeks later, you're dissatisfied again. Like, that's how the things of our life are. Like, like we, we strive after them, and they leave us dissatisfied, and we end up being like the woman at the well where Jesus told them, it's like, hey— if you keep drinking from this well, you will thirst again, and you'll just keep thirsting again and keep thirsting again. Those things will never satisfy you, never fix you, never heal you, so you have to come to the conclusion of, am I willing to give up this thing, or am I going to dig in my heels even deeper, because surely it's bound to work. So this past week, um, I needed to fix the water pump on my car, uh, which, long story short, if you don't know what that is, it's basically my, my car was overheating and I needed to change out this part so it wouldn't overheat anymore. Uh, and I like to pretend that I'm a mechanic. Uh, and so I, <laughs> I watch YouTube videos because they make them look so easy, right? Um, and so I spend hours of my time researching and looking at videos and figuring out, you know, how to change out this part. And then I drive to all the different auto stores and get the parts that I need and the tools that I need. And like, I'm ready to go, ready to go. So I wake up one morning, have all my parts, and I go out to this, to my car to try to uh, fix the water pump. And I spend an hour and I couldn't get the first bolt off of this car. And I was fuming mad. Like, ladies, you can probably empathize with my wife because there is little anger, like car work anger. And man, I came in and my wife is trying to comfort me like, hey, it's okay. I'm like, stop talking to me. It's not okay. I got to get this fixed. <laughs> so I... <laughs> I couldn't get it off. So I hit up all the forums, you know, figuring out, you know, how do I get this thing off and, you know, researching, okay, what other tools can I buy? What other parts can I buy? And um, I finally am faced with the decision of, do I spend more time, more money, and more frustration to only end up on the other side, still not being able to get the stinking thing off? Or do I just admit defeat and call a mechanic and hand it over to them? Who knows what they're doing? And that's the same decision that we're faced with. Do we dig our heels even deeper on the things that we're trying to get to fix us? Or do we finally just realize, hey, it hasn't fixed me yet. It's probably not going to fix me. And then call up someone who can fix it, namely Jesus. And so that leads us to our last question. So the first question was, what are you waiting on to fix you? Second question is, are you willing to give that thing up? And the third question is, um, will you look to Jesus for healing? The amazing thing about this passage is that this guy spent 38 years of his life uh, invalid, and who knows how many of those years sitting around this pool trying to fix himself. And Jesus comes in, and in the span of a brief conversation, gets more accomplished than this guy could get accomplished in 38 years. 
The verse says this. This is uh, John 5, verse 8. Jesus says, get up, Jesus told him, pick up your bedroll and walk. Instantly, the man got better. Like there was no struggle with it. Like it wasn't like, hey, come back in a week and you know, we'll get you more medication prescribed. Uh, it was instantly the man got well, picked up his bedroll and started to walk. Again, when we read historical accounts, it's easy to read them cold and remove the personal and the emotional and, and all that mixed into this. This guy who was invalid for 38 years being healed, it's easy to read this cold. Um, but again, the chosen does a really good job of breathing life into these passages. Um, so I want to show you the clip of this from the chosen. him. Oh. Him. The one who's been here the longest, but doesn't belong. The sad one. Well, why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch. Shalom. Me? Yes. Shalom. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir, I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so, Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you, or who's not helping, or who's getting in your way. I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want 
false hope again, I understand. But this pool... It has nothing for you. It means nothing. And you know it. But you're still here. Why? I don't know. You don't need this pool. You only need me. So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Free to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. Man, that hits you right in the feels, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> go, go watch, go watch it. Go watch it. It's free. It's free. Just go watch it. Anyways. The beauty of that moment is that in that moment, the guy realized that Jesus is the fountain he has been looking for. He is the pool that he's been looking for. Zechariah 13, 1, another prophecy about Jesus, says this. It says, on that day, a fountain will be opened for the house of David and for the residents of Jerusalem to wash away sin and impurity. Jesus is the pool that we've been looking for, but instead of the pool stirring, it's our heart that gets stirred with Jesus. Jesus is interested in your physical ailments and your emotional ailments and your, your financial ailments, but he's more interested in your spiritual ones. He's interested in, in not just healing you physically, but healing you spiritually to take away your sin and your impurity. Um, Romans 6, 4 says this, if you go, go ahead and throw that up there. Um, 6.4, it says, Therefore, we were buried with him, Jesus, by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in the newness of life. Just like this guy, we are sick, blind, lame, paralyzed, but not physically, spiritually. And we are just sitting there waiting for someone to walk in and help us. And, and Jesus comes through the door one day and all of a sudden the movie of our life changes and we can be healed but the ultimate question is like do you want to be healed 
I believe that the same question that, that Jesus asked that guy, he's asking to you and to me today, do you want to get well? Do you want to be free of your sin? Or are you content just sitting around waiting for other things to fix you? So when I finally admitted defeat on trying to fix my car, I called up the mechanic, and um, it was amazing how fast the process went when I called him. I, like, I, I talked to him on the phone, uh, and he immediately knew what was wrong. He immediately knew how to fix it. He said, hey, if you can get the car up here in a few minutes, um, I'll get back to you before the end of the day. And sure enough, I took my car there. A few hours later, he called me. No problems. Uh, gave the car back to me, uh, and, and the car works. And it's amazing because I could have spent so much time and so much effort and so much energy um, throwing myself into trying to fix that car and likely would have came out the other end not fixing the car. But he does it like that because he has the tools, the ability, and the equipment to get it done. And that's the same thing with Jesus. Stop trying to fix things that you have no ability to fix. Turn it over to Jesus who does. Let me pray that we do. Lord, I thank you. Uh, for this um, account, God, that we can uh, look into it and, and celebrate with the guy who was healed and who saw the Messiah, uh, but also that we might be able to um, evaluate our life and ask, uh, are we doing some of these same things? Are we looking for things to fix us that have no ability to fix us? Are we putting our hope in things that have no reason to have hope put in them? God, I pray that you would just convict us of that. That you might convict us of the sin of placing our hope in something else and that we might repent of that and that we come to you, the author of life, the glorious God who has the ability to wash away our sin and our impurity. We're going to have a time of response here and, and we're going to sing a song and, and we just want to give you the ability to do whatever God's convicting you to do. It may mean that you just stay where you are and pray. Uh, maybe you want to come up here to the altar and pray. Maybe you want to learn more about who uh, this Jesus is and, and say like, I want to get well. I want my sins washed away and I've just never placed my faith in him. And we'd love to talk you through that. Maybe you realize that you've been placing a little bit too much weight on something in your life, thinking that if I just had this one thing, I'll be happy and I'll be fulfilled. Maybe you need to say, maybe you need to give that up and turn that over to Jesus and say to Jesus, hey, it's great if I can get this thing, but if I can't, that's okay because I've got you and you're all that I need and I can do all things through you who strengthens me. If we can all stand up, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And again, this time is just for you. Whatever God's calling you to do, this is your time.